Exodus 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud, saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, your word is a great and wonderful thing, but you've given us two very special readings tonight. We pray that as you said to those disciples gathered on the mountain, this is your son and let us listen to him. Speak to us of Jesus, we pray this night, for we pray in his holy name. Amen. It's lovely to be with you tonight and uh, a great occasion. Uh, and Liz and Charlie, thank you for the readings. And, and Lizzie, thank you for your, your testimony. That was, a, that was an amazing testimony. You, you brought many of us to tears, I know. And uh, that, many things you said um, will remain with me. That beautiful uh, phrase you had when you were in the cell, certain things had been sewn into your heart. Um, that's, that's a testimony to your parents and, and, that's, and it made me think of these great young people who are here I spoke to some of them, well, to, to you all before and, um, 
and, and, and what has been sown into their hearts over the years by uh, their family, their parents, their, uh, this church community. It's a, it's a beautiful, they're, a, they're an incredible testimony to the life of this church. Lizzie, I thought um, these people here don't need a sermon after that. What can a preacher do after that? Uh, but then, Ruth, you sort of, where's Ruth with your prayers? You sort of, uh, you, you gave me some confidence because um, you began your prayers uh, pray, after praying for our forgiveness. You prayed for uh, this, well, situation that's been on my heart, and that's why I sort of want to begin uh, today. I, I was out last night and I, I came home and thought I just need to sort of relax and watch the telly for a little bit. So I put on the telly, it was the news. And the first thing I heard was about a 17-year-old young girl who had been murdered in London. One of, I don't know how many just this year. And then I switched on the radio this morning um, and, and I heard about a 17-year-old Manchester young man uh, who had been murdered during the night, you know, 17 years old. And uh, I pray God that, rest, that Leamington will be saved from this uh, evil that is inflicting the country. Coventry hasn't been. I've been dreading it coming to Coventry, and it has come to Coventry. Some of our two, two young vicars, actually, in their parishes have, have buried people uh, shot and... and uh, and, and killed Neville Staples' grandson. I didn't know you know Neville Staples from the, from the specials, uh, his grandson in September. Uh, and then a lovely young boy called Jaden, um, killed in, uh, uh, before, before Christmas. Y- young vicar with a young family, it broke his heart, but he, incredible bit of Christian ministry to the family, to the community, to the whole city, actually. I might say something more about that. And you can't help thinking, please, you know, why don't you do something? And the police are working hard. I was with the chief superintendent of Coventry talking about it recently, and it's breaking, pulling him apart, poor man. And, and you think, well, why don't the government do more? And, and, uh, and, of course, those are right questions. And then you can ask, well, why doesn't God do something here? Um, and it... I think that sort of question explains there's a little bit of a controversy which you might have come across in, in, the, in the week. Um, uh, one of these um, comics, uh, sort of Superman, uh, superhero comics, DC Comics, do you know, did you hear this story? Um, they were going to publish uh, this sort of series about Jesus, uh, but they, had to, they pulled it because there was an outcry, probably a very righteous outcry, because... Um, it was, a, it was a story, a sort of comic story, uh, and I think it, they haven't sort of revealed much, but I think it went something like this, that God um, was disappointed with his son. Uh, I sent you to earth to change the world and looked after you for all those years and then, you know, let you loose in your ministry, and in three years you ended up crucified. The whole thing, you know, had, you know you're the son of God. And you ended up, you know, beaten and battered and, and, and uh, I had to, had to rescue you, bring you back to heaven. Uh, and then, I think it's called the second coming, uh, and, and, and God is sending Jesus back to earth to learn from um, the Son Man, 
who is this um, S-U-N man, who's this superhero who is going about sorting everything out and, uh, and, and flying around the place and, and just sort of kapowing and, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, confronting violence by violence and, and uh, you know, being this superhero who sorts out not everything, but just individual situations here and there, and everyone thinks, oh, wow, what a great superhero. Um, people are still asking, who is Jesus? And that's what I found interesting. That, that question, and I think the whole knife crime business, raises some fundamental questions which I've been wrestling with all my life. Um, who is God? Who is God? Who is Jesus? And, and who are we? Uh, three questions, three-point sermon. It's quite a lot uh, for one sermon. Uh, but these readings get us somewhere uh, towards a Christian answer to those. Uh, and the Christian answer to those questions is radical. It's revolutionary. It really, it, it, it is. You don't arrive at those answers through the machinations of your own mind because they are, well... They're not about the, the sun hero, the sun man. Let, let me explain more. Moses, uh, we're picking up the tail end of the most extraordinary few chapters in, Gen in, in Exodus. Uh, Moses has been, he's, he's been on the mountain. Oh, these, I want to talk about three hills, three, three mountains. The first one is, is Sinai. Um, Moses has been on the mountain and he's been pleading with God not to abandon the people who have already rebelled against God in the desert. That's another story. He's pleading with them and God hears his prayer. And, and, and Moses says to God, we, it's difficult for these people. Here they are in the desert in, and, uh, and we, need, we need to know that you're really with us. Show us your presence. And he's sort of almost bargaining with God. Lord, show me your glory. And, uh, and the Lord is gracious and says, Okay, Moses, I, I, I will... And these are the words, Exodus 34. I will, I will let my glory pass in front of you. Um, show me your glory, says Moses. Uh, yeah, and the Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name the Lord. In other words, I will show you who I am. That's the beginning of our answer to the question, who is God? And, and uh, just a little aside, people say, well, there's all sorts of definitions of God. You know, you have yours, I have mine, and so on, and they have theirs, and Christian have their... Uh, I think the a response to that is always to ask you, should not... Answer, should not God be allowed the freedom to say who God is? I, I think, anyway, that's a little aside. Um, anyway, so uh, this is God saying, I will show you who I am. I will proclaim my name. And, but actually, Moses, if, I, if you see my presence, it, it'll be too much for you. You can't bear the full weight of my presence. My, my presence is so pure, it's so powerful, it's so beautiful, it's so... It's so glorious that it'll be too much for you. But, but I'll put you in the cleft of this rock and I'll put my hand over you and I will pass by you and you will at least see my back. 
and you know the story and God comes and, and, and proclaims his name. And uh, if anyone says to you the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New, ask Lizzie because this is who God says I am. The Lord, the Lord, the name of God, the Lord, the Lord. Um, a God, is this right, Lizzie? A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation. I mean, that's the same God, isn't it? I mean, this is the God who, who was with you in the, in the cell. This is the God who, this is the God who said, this is who I am. The God, the God of goodness, of merciful love, of abounding, steadfast love. And, and then it goes on. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Lord establishes a covenant with, with Moses and therefore with the people of Israel and, and, and gives them, shows, tells him, well, this is the way I want my people to live and... Uh, uh, and the Ten Commandments are given, and then he comes down from the mountain, and that's where we pick up the, the reading. And uh, the interesting thing among many is that they see, they, they see a transformation in that uh, person, the sort of transformation that you know, happened to Lizzie in, 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 in the prison cell, a face shining. They, they could see his face shining because he had been in the presence of God. So they could see the presence of God in the face of the prophet, the one who had encountered God. Let's move on a 1,500 years or so to another mountain, our second reading, New Testament reading. We have Jesus taking his disciples onto uh, the mountain. Um, it's, a, it's a very beautiful and very peaceful place. They're pretty sleepy, but something very powerful happens. It looks just like a, a repeat of... Mount Sinai, um, a, 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 almost a sort of duplicate of Jesus, the prophet, like Moses, the prophet of old. But there's something of a, I don't know, what would you call it? It's the same God, same encounter with God, but there's an intensity about it that lifts it to a new level. And there's a few indications of that. Not only is Jesus' face transformed, but it's, his whole being is like dazzling white, um, like, like, like lightning has suddenly sort of lit him up. And Jesus is being spoken to by Moses and Elijah, representing the great prophet of tradition in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, Elijah and, and the great tradition of the law in, in, the, in the Old Testament, Moses. And there they are, and they're having a conversation. If there's one conversation I'd love to have heard, is that conversation between Jesus on the mountain and Moses and Elijah. Actually, we do hear a little bit about it. I'll come back to that. And then the next sort of indication that there's something more than Moses going on here is the voice from heaven. The voice from heaven which says, um, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. This is my son. 
Now, there's a lot of work which I know uh, Jonathan has done with you on just what that means. This is the Son of God. And, and if you look at other parts of the New Testament, you can see the full implications of what that means. That this, well, this is just one verse, that Jesus is the reflection Jesus is the reflection of God's glory from Hebrews 1. Jesus is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Listen to those words. That's, that, this is the revolutionary bit. The exact imprint of God's very being and he sustains all things by his powerful word. St. Paul says elsewhere, the, the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Now there's a whole lot of... Um, teaching there, which I know Jonathan will unpack with you for week, week for week, but let's, let's make a, just a, a shortcut to say what the New Testament is saying here is that in some extraordinary way, God's Son belongs to the very, well, as Hebrew says, the very being of God. What we see here is God in our midst, the God who, who said, no, I can't come to you, Moses, because if I do my Glory and power will consume you, but coming now in a form in which we can encounter God, as it were, with safety in the person of Jesus Christ. God coming in the humanity, in the person of Jesus Christ. Who is God? God is the God of goodness. Who is so good? God comes to dwell with us in Jesus Christ. And then there's a third hill which we just hear a little hint of in that conversation. Elijah and Moses are talking about his departure. Here's Jesus' departure. Um, and that is a reference to Jesus' death. And as Jesus comes down from the mountain when the disciples are pretty sort of excited because they've, they've, they've had this chance to see Jesus in his dazzling glory and hear the voice. Then they hear, and it must have been such a downer, Jesus saying, I'm going to suffer and die. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God who brings to us comes to us with the full reality of God to show us, to prove to us that God is what he promised Moses, God is what Lizzie experienced, the God of goodness, the God of goodness who comes to live among us and, and this is the revolutionary thing as well, to die for us. God coming in Jesus Christ to hang upon a cross for us. Solidarity in human suffering, that is the God we believe in. The God who comes in judgment as well, saying to humanity, you've made a terrible mess of things. Coming with judgment. Coming with, with, with a decisive judgment that says, human life needs to go down to the grave, it needs to die. But saying, I will bear that myself. I will take that death myself and I will, I will raise up humanity, human beings in new life. I will recreate what it means to be a human being 
I will deal with all those destructive forces that take us to death and give us life. And that brings me to the third question. Who are we? Well, we are those people who are invited to step into that new life of Jesus Christ. That new life that Jesus creates as he comes out of the grave and says, this is human life that I've taken down to death and now I've recreated it. And if you follow me, if you believe in me, if you step into my life, you can have that life which is mine, the new life of Jesus. A new way of living. A costly way of living indeed, but a new way of living. The young man who was murdered in Coventry um, came from a lovely Christian uh, family, black Christian family, um, and uh, it was so hard for them. We had the funeral in Coventry Cathedral, and uh, I don't know, about a thousand young people, 800, I don't know, loads of them, uh, and there was his coffin, it was awful. And yet there was a gloriousness to it because the mother was there. This wonderful mother um, who in her, in her grief was saying to the young people of Coventry, this is no way to live. There's a better way to live. Uh, there's a way to live that is not the way of violence. You don't need the sun man you know, to take a knife for you and, and to go and fight your battles. And for goodness sake, don't fight your battles yours, yourself. You need a savior. You need a savior who can save you from your sin. You need a savior who can be with you in your suffering. You, can be, you need a redeemer who can give you new life and show you a new way of living. She didn't quite put it in those words, but her, her noble testimony to Jesus Christ and the way of Forgiveness and new life was, it communicated itself with greater power than I could ever. That's the life that you have chosen, the life of Jesus Christ. And you've been following Christ, I know, in different ways. And now you're coming to say, well, like, like, like those three disciples, uh, two disciples, was it? Uh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. It's good for us to be here on this mountain to see who you are. But in a sense, the real test of discipleship, and it was a, a test that Peter nearly failed at one point, was are we there as Jesus comes down from the mountain? Are we there to, 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 to step into that life and, make, and live the sort of lives that will so, you know, love into, into young people's hearts, that will heal those uh, young people in Coventry and London and Manchester who are getting caught up into all sorts of crime. That, that's quite a dramatic story. I just want to end with one uh, final story of just a, an elderly man I met this morning uh, and a lo lovely guy who he raised a whole lot of money to build a war memorial in Long Itchington. Really worth seeing. His father fought in the, in the First World War. Just, i just end with this, because it just touched me. His, his father uh, owned a watch, and it was a watch that he said 
had been given to him by a German soldier. This elderly man, now the son of the father, said, my father was a good old guy, but I don't believe him. I think he, I think he stole that watch, you know, from a, from a German soldier. And I want to give it back to the family. Just a silly, a simple little story. But this elder, he's about 85, I think, and he's trying to trace the German family from which that, that, that uh, watch came. I just thought, that's a very Christian thing to do. You know, he's, he's, he's late in his life, he's trying to reconcile with a family um, that war, war divided a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago. Just a little small example of a different way of living, a way that can bring healing to humanity, hope to humanity. And that's what we're invited into as Christians, to be those sort of people who can make that sort of difference to the world. So I have a question for those to be um, confirmed. Um, I just need to check that you've been baptized. I said to them earlier, if you haven't been, we can sort that out now. But I know Jonathan has been uh, diligent. I think we're at this point, aren't we, in the service? Yeah, good. Okay, so... Would you like to stand? I ask you, have you been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? That's great. That means you're Jesus' people. Um, And now I'm going to ask, are you ready to, with your own mouth and from your own heart, to affirm your faith in Jesus Christ? Confirmation is a chance for you again to come and say that you need the grace and mercy of God, that you want the Spirit of God, the life of God, the life of God, the Spirit, God's own self, to equip you and empower you. And we're going to sing a song along those lines to the Lord. And as you do that, if you'd like to come forward, let us sing about the grace of God. Your grace is enough, more than I need.